Good evening, welcome to The Joust. Uh, my name is Nagy, I'm here as always with my good friend Liam McNeil. Liam, how are you tonight? Nagy, I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm refreshed, I'm renewed, I'm reinvigorated. Just got a massive horn. Life's really good. <laughs> Life's really good at the moment. I think the whole town has a bit of a massive horn at the moment. Oh, absolutely. And why shouldn't they? Why they, shouldn't they? They should. We've got to soak it in while we still We've got, got to it. soak it in. Now, let's get into the show, Nagy. What do you got to start? Let's, oh, well, I think we should uh, probably... We, we should do our first sips to... Uh, Fulmine Bianco, the White Lightning. Ross Dog. First sips. continue uh, yes absolutely ready to go thank you Nagy. thank you for your patience <laughs> we'll jump straight into the sponsors for this week uh liam the sponsors for this episode yes yeah, sponsors for this episode are, are frostbites on hunter street Cavon themed restaurants late night fried breakfast and the time the neighbors called the cops on rob costa for standing out the front of his very own house that was obscene. What do you think? Well, it was he's a bit of a, a brown boy, though. Yeah, well, look, you know, it was a bit of a symptom of the uh, inherent racism in the system. I think you know he's a obviously unfairly uh, stereotyped, if you will, uh, for a, a more criminal-minded person. It was Mayfield, after all. It was Mayfield, though, and you know anything goes. Well, now, then, ladies and gentlemen, as is tradition, I'd ask you to please be upstanding for the national anthem of Australia. Do you remember? Oh, apologies for that uh, there, guys. Our producer, Elliot's Earth, Wind & Fire cover band were jamming in here just before our session, and he seems to have left their backing track on. Sorry about that. We'll have that fixed for next week. How is uh, Soil, Breeze & Flames going, Elliot? Oh, really? Life sentence, you say? Oh, good Lord. Oh, well, I, I hope that can, uh, you can resurrect that, uh, that, that band. That's awful. <laughs> I hope they can reattach the limbs. <laughs> Um, so Liam, uh, the win against the Raiders. <laughs> Outstanding. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, look, we're going straight into our hats off and I've got a hats off for you, Nagy. I don't have enough hats for it, but look, it's all the 17 players to don the red and blue. I mean, to single all 17 out of them would take too long and would tear up the majority of our show. But I think you've got to really give a nod to all the players who uh, ran out for the Newcastle Knights on the weekend. I agree. Like everyone... This week, just really, just dug it, dug deep, and uh, dug deep, and really found something else to give. They they all performed. All the players that we were looking to stand up in all the previous rounds really found something extra and uh, and and showed it. And against a really good Canberra side, this Canberra side's a little bit out of form, but on paper, we shouldn't have had a chance in hell against them. It was uh, it was it was something magical that happened that day uh, on Mother's Day at home. Uh, look, the crowd wasn't fantastic, but you could understand why you wouldn't want to 
take your family to uh, a Knights game on, on a celebratory day because there's been so much disappointment there. But I really think that's exactly what we needed just to reinvigor this, um, the whole energy of, of the town and the club. Oh, uh, absolutely. I've got to give a particular hats off, though, to... I thought Dan Safidi was phenomenal. I mean, um, you know, he's been trying to lead by the front for the uh, start of the season. Obviously, he's still very young. But in the last game, in this game, we've seen that he really has taken that role to heart. He played more minutes this in his first spell this game than he has uh, at any point through the year. I think it was 53 minutes was his first spell. Ended up with uh, 20 carries, 175 metres, 23 tackles. I mean, for a young bloke leading a forward pack like that against a monster Canberra pack. Huge. It, they're just huge. It's amazing. So I, my particular individual hats off goes to big, uh, big Danny Bois. Who you got? Um, for me, my hats off uh, has to go to Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Uh, now, this is a player that I've seen, I think it was his eighth first grade game. Um, and he's played, you know, obviously played a little bit last year in that in the horrid season. And this, he's come back into the side, was named starting uh, over uh, players like Sam Stone, um, just uh, Luke Yates. He started over these guys. Um, and I was very dubious when I saw it. I thought there must have been injuries. I thought, okay, look, I just don't think he's going to be able to stand up. In, in previous games when he's played, he just looked a little bit out of touch with the first grade speed of the game. There was moments where he, he's played well previously, but this game, uh, he was he played 80 minutes. Uh, he was down that right edge, uh, and he really made it that whole side his own. He, he saw a lot of a lot of action. I think it was I think he made 11 runs and 28 tackles, uh, something around that. Uh, four tackle busts. Look, he he's a young guy that's come through the system, being some a player that we've held on to and re-signed um, last year, I think, for another two. So. With the club obviously showed a lot of faith in him, but like he, what really stood out to me was about ten minutes in, uh, he looked like he was out with a knee injury. Look for all for any money that he was going to come off, they they put an entire roll of tape around his knee. Um, he's got a new strapping sponsor now because um, he was just the, the knee was just black with tape, and I thought, okay, they're just keeping him out there until they can roll in the new interchange. But no, he played the full eighty minutes. And, um, he wasn't just there to make up the numbers, was he? No, look, and it, like that's the kind of guts that we needed that game because in every in every game beforehand, it seemed like that would have been the option we take. You, you know, you hurt and come off, like you know what I mean. Like it, it seemed, to look, but we wanted that game so bad, um, and we were out there like, on Indigenous round as well. So like had a lot of uh, feeling for for the Indigenous boys, um, Gagai and uh, Feeney, and. Um, so you could just tell there's a real, a real energy about the thing, and we we, we knew that we couldn't just retract and, and come off and whatnot. We had to stay out there and fight, and we did that. And you can you saw that from the the tries from the first tries to Sione and uh, and um, the English fella. What's his name? Wardle, <laughs> Wardle. Jo- Joseph Wardle. Joseph Wardle. Um, just those really aggressive lines, looking for nothing else but the line um, to really get over to get the points on. I think we really rocked Canberra early on. Um, especially with Sione's try, you know, 30, 40 metres out, running that um, really strong overs line um, and and breaking through. And he only had lines to the, the eyes of the line. At no point did he look for support. He wanted to get there and he showed it with his speed and his strength. And that's what we've wanted from him. From Since you know, he's given the captaincy, since like he's given all this responsibility, we've obviously backed him as a player of the future that we wanted in this club. And uh, look, he, he showed the way early. And I think that really set the platform for the entire game that we can do this. But uh, yeah, I thought, especially Lachlan Fitzgibbon, just showed the kind of heart that um, that we needed to win that game. So and that- it's hard to win games like that that you need. I mean, you look at various points through history. Hannibal crossing the Alps with uh, 
his elephant army to defeat Carthage. You know, you look at uh, Stephen Bradbury winning the Olympic gold medal. You look at Newcastle Knights beating the Canberra Raiders in 2017. None of this should have happened. None of this should have been possible. And yet here we are. History has been made. I think there were I think there were five dollar fifteen um, outsiders to win that game just to win. I wish you'd told me that before kickoff. <laughs> um, I saw it. I still didn't feel comfortable putting any money on it. I uh, may have ruined a few Mother's Day lunches. We <laughs> was in the Blue Mountains for late lunch and I was quietly crossing between watching the game under the table and uh, keeping track on the scores and swore very loudly a number of times and the 80-year-old biddies all around me weren't too happy <laughs> but I figured they'd understand and, you know, when I inevitably pumped my fists at the end of the night and said, you fucking beauty, they all... <laughs> Looked at me, gave me a little nod, and you know I was probably escorted off the premises by uh, the constabulary. But they knew. They knew. They knew deep down that, that what this meant to uh, all Novocastrians out there, whether they're there at the game or watching at home. But it, look, what it did, it gave us all a bit of belief because another loss again. Then um, you know, coming off that uh, was a round two win against the Titans. It's been it's been a long time again, and it just felt like is this another repeat of last season? Have we made any ground at all? Now this game could be like uh, like an anomaly. Like we we might not win another one, but it's it's showing that look we it, we dig down and we can beat the best. And, and forget belief. I just needed the relief. You had a blue balls. Well, I had red and blue balls. <laughs> it was painful. Very very painful. It's it was yeah. It, look, it was something magical. And I think we're all going to remember it fondly because it was it, it, like despite conceding twenty points there, we really six tries on the Canberra Raiders. On a very good Canberra Raiders pack, I think we did very well. So look, soak it in, everyone. Just, just deep breath and just soak that win in while we still got it. But look, I think it really also shows that the uh, the effect that the Joust is having because when you're looking at these, so who are the stats from this week, uh, Nagy? Uh, Derek uh, Modelston. Derek Modelston, yes, our stats guru. Um, you know, it's it's all things we've talked about in the Joust. You know, we uh, we finally won a possession battle, first time in the season, 53%. The completion rate was up around 88%, and I think it was 100% in the second, second half. half. Yeah. And that was something that we on the Jazz have discussed at great lengths, so clearly Brownie and uh, his staff are listening down there. Um, but the biggest key to the victory for me was uh, the boys coming back from the rep camps. They were you all know, standouts, yeah. Yeah, you've got your boys coming back from City Origin, you've got your boys coming back from Fiji, back from Samoa. They just seemed to add a real maturity and kind of a winning edge. You know, they've gone away to these camps. They've trained and played at a higher level. Yeah. And it really seems like they've focused very much on bringing that back to the Knights. Cause that's one thing the Knights have lacked in recent years is, you know, players stepping up to a higher level and then bringing it back to club form. Dang guy. Yep. I hope you're listening. Bring Ooh. that Queensland form back to Newcastle. Yeah. But it feels like these uh, other players in the rep round have really brought back from that experience, you know, being part of a winning, or maybe not winning because they didn't all win, but, you know, being a part of a, culture, a competitive, know? higher, more elite culture. And I think that really started to show with some mature performances from some young, young players. And, you know, I think that it points to the importance of the rep round. You can never get rid of the rep round. Brilliant. Yeah, I think it's going to be a staple now, especially warming up to the World Cup. I think that they're always going to keep those... Um yeah, those auxiliary sides which we've referred to in the past. But I think it's done us wonders and hopefully they can continue this energy. And I think it was a real competitive nature that they managed to, to bring back to the Knights. Um, like in that second half, it like looking at the scoreboard, you thought the Knights have, have it wrapped up the whole time. But, you know, 10-8 at halftime um, and it wasn't never guaranteed the win. Like that would have been the sixth time, it was the sixth time that we were leading in halftime, which is untypical of a, of a wooden spoon side. Wooden spoon sides shouldn't be winning the game at all. See, really. Brownie, yeah, finally changes halftime... Uh 
Gatorade recipe. <laughs> yeah. I might have got onto Sean Kenny Dowell and uh, Jesse Bromwich last week. <laughs> a little bit more uh, syrup. Uh, headphones. <laughs> a few more headphones in the box. Um, but, yeah, look, I think it was just something we can all, like, really take from as far as um, it was a gutsy win and we really put the foot in the throat towards the end there and to show that we didn't just cling on, but uh, to get that last try to Brock Lamb was uh, a really good sign of things to come, hopefully. But... um. So we look forwards now to. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, but by the way, I think we, we've we've agreed that uh, hats back on is being cancelled. Oh, it's this been cancelled for the week. Hats back on. No one gets the hats back on this week. No. Hats off to everyone. Uh, it was wonderful. It was delightful. And boys, you keep playing like this. So I'm going to throw all my hats in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have a good half dozen hats, hats yeah. that will go in the bin. So looking forward, we have the Panthers this weekend at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Back at home now. This is our last home game for six weeks with the buys uh, and a few away games in the middle there. So um, coming up to uh, after this, we have the buy, then Manly, then Storm, um, both away. So we have a tough road. So this is a very important game. that we, we like Coming off the back of that win, uh, we can win. You know, um, we, we can beat the Panthers. The Panthers, besides that... Uh, Showing in the second half against the Warriors, which was just crazy. It was a one that was ridiculous. I'm still not quite sure what I saw. It was a once in the season sort of a performance you you sort of see um, from the Panthers. So I don't, I don't think they can you know um, reciprocate that. Is that the correct? How do you carry over that momentum? No, to reciprocate would be to offer it back in kind to the person who gave it to them. Thank you for that. Quite right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if it's. I think we need to, for us, we need to really yeah, show that kind of energy again. And at home, which I think we're going to get a much bigger crowd. We get a lot more faith in the uh, in the ability of this side. Um, but, so, where, where do you think we can we can win it against Penrith, Liam? Wait, well, just quickly. I mean, that comeback, that's the greatest comeback you've ever seen since the Nazis waved the British off the beach at Dunkirk. <laughs> and then four years later said, hey, how are you? Welcome back. <laughs> I mean, that was just insane. This um, is the Penrith game we are talking about. Yeah, yeah the yeah, Penrith yeah. game. Yeah. But I, look, I think there's a few places where uh, Newcastle's strength can really shine through. Now, Nagy and I, what we notice, very astute observers of the game, students of the game, um, one thing the Knights did particularly well against Canberra was playing for touch on their last tackle options. Now, Andrew Voss and uh, Blocker Roach, our good friends, you know, good friends, good friends at, and uh, at, colleagues, realistically, what we Sports. do, we, we basically have the same job as them. Um, they poo-pooed the Knights' strategy of kicking for touch on the last tackle very, very regularly. So. Yeah. However, you could tell that was a calculated play because in the, you know, the back three at Canberra between Kotrick White and, and um, the other bloke, Jordan Rapana. Yeah. You've got three of the most, you know, devastating attack runners. Ball runners, yeah. Ball runners in the game. So you don't want to be giving them the ball and uh, especially giving them the ball with a bit of a wind-up to have a run. Um, and We took them out of the game, effectively. Is that what you're saying? We took them out of the game, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's something we need to do uh, against Penrith as well because they're back three also quite prolific runners. In the game, for example, last week, you got Moylan, Peter Hiku, and uh, Dallin Watnazelezniak, which is the latest pronunciation I've heard, but we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, all ran for more than 150 metres. So I think if we kick the corners, keep them out of play, because they're damaging runners too. I mean, you get them on a kick return, you're in trouble. So again, I think the Knights really need to focus on kicking the corners, keeping them out of play, plugging it back deep into their end. Well, what it does for us from a really experienced side is... is Keep us in control. You know what I mean? Like it's playing the game on our terms. And I know it might be seem be boring and it might not see us playing your hand and look for those fifty fifty bounce of the ball moments. But 
in reality, you know, you know what's going to happen if you kick it out, um, you know, of the 10 meters. The scrum's going to set you. If you can force an error there, you're back on the attack. And when we did start doing uh, fifth plays uh, with a kick in the goal, you can tell that the Canberra Raiders, like, they were having a bad game, yeah, but, like, it, it, gives them, it keeps them in two minds, if you will. Like, you know, you relax them in the first half of kicking for touch, then you, you put the ball into play in the second half. And then players pushing up on the kick chase. You get tries like that. Brock Lamb kick. Ah, uh, try off the Sioni kick. Yeah, there's, look, cetera, they're, the, they're those sort of like, you know, bounce of the ball moments. But I think, I think yeah, it keeps uh, a young uh, side where we, we look to we look for always for control. We lost control in that Titans game. So if we do this against Penrith and we, we maintain, we play the, the game where we want to be played. So I think, yeah, that's a good point, Liam. And the other thing that, that actually Penrith are really weak at is they're, they're the slowest starting team. Their first 20 is woeful. They've only scored 16 points all year in the opening 20. Now, this has been... Actually, often to the night's detriment this year, that's been their strongest period. So yeah. if we can put in a very, very strong opening 20, but then follow it up in the manner that we did against Canberra, keep the pressure on, we will be going a hell of a long way towards beating these bloody mountain Man. men. <laughs> mm. um, Lumberjacks. The, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like Penrith has a remarkable side, but in many ways it's very similar to the Knights. Like They're a young side. They've you know, Besides Tama, who hasn't really fired this year, they've got Trent Marin there. But look, there's a, there's a quite a, like a prosperous young talent that look like they're they're going to be great in a few years. They probably did. Um, they're probably where the Knights were a few years ago and did a bit of a rebuilding phase and is sort of reaping the benefits of that now. But um, but like I, d- I don't think you could you could you could compare like someone like Brock Lamb's experience with someone like Nathan Cleary's experience. Um, Brock Lamb hasn't had those standout games that Cleary has had. Uh, but it's it's a definitely a similar sort of thing uh, that if we can get on top of them early, uh, they're a young side that have shown this season, especially in the last five games, that they can also go to pieces and lose lose the hold of the game. So I think uh, what you were saying is getting points to them early, derailing them, and then um, watching, you know, gaining that ascendancy momentum and then hopefully not having Penrith not be able to take it back. But there's some, they do have a lot of um, talented players, Tyrone Peachy, Trent Marin and uh, oh, he turned the game on the weekend against the Warriors when Tyra and Peachy came on. That happened to coincide with Penrith's insane turnaround. I mean, that is a dangerous fella. Yeah, he's like breaking the, tackles at will. Yeah, on his day, is is one of the best, and like he he has that sort of like you know that he, he's an outside back, but he might as well be a forward. You know, is is sort of that modern day player which he can sort of just slot in anywhere. Just a, just a good honest footballer that from back in the day, no good set role, honest footballer, bit of a ball player, strong runner, and he can come with a massive tackle as well, like a try saver. He, he's a game swinger, and for that reason, like he's probably not far out of representative cont- contention in. Uh, um, in New South Wales Origin talk, which we'll talk about in the uh, the pointy end. I mean, he's yeah, he's leading the team in tackle counts, tackle breaks rather tackle by breaks, a yeah. long way. So I mean, he's going to be the biggest one that the Knights need to contain. I think he's the danger man. I think when Matt Moylan got his yeah, hands on the will. ball more, also in that second half against the Warriors, they, they started to create stuff. So shutting it in his space and not letting him run uh, is going to be a big thing as well because he's just a natural point scorer and he, he like a natural, you know. Ball runner, no ball player, I should say. He's actually ball everything. Um, Just anything to do with balls, balls, he naturally does it well. He's a good ballsman. Good ballsman. Never forgets about Speaking the balls. Speaking of ballsman, the I think the other one you really got to target for the Knights is uh, Bryce Cartwright, defending out there at five eighth. He has proven to be a bit of a weakness in the side. He's uh, out of well, he attempted fifteen tackles on the weekend. He only, he, I mean, he missed four of them, and yeah. I think with. 
the confidence of our second rowers running wide with Sione and Sam Stone in the second row on the weekend, that's two pretty hard running second rowers. Well, like, I, I think, think I... if you target them straight at Cartwright, he could come up as a bit of a turnstile there. I think that was the same with what Logan Fiskibner was doing, targeting Aiden Caesar. He, d- he stuck on him and didn't didn't move. Um, and that was usually the, a lot of the first contact because, yeah, these Cleary and um, Cartwright, you know, Cartwright is on his day a fan, like a remarkable player, but then you get him on his off day and he looks like he should be playing... You know, Fingal Bay Bomboras. It's uh, and probably sitting on the bench for them. So it's, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a chalk and cheese sort of a player. So if we can get him on on the, the cheese. To, uh, I never what, understood which the, is the good one. I don't know. I guess that what's is, the chalk and what's because uh, look, I've, you know, went to primary school. I know what chalk <laughs> is. I know what cheese, well, cheese is. is. I don't quite understand the. How they relate. Cheese is good. Cheese is good. But chalk's good also. And it's, it's for different purposes. purposes it's good. Yeah. Maybe that. Well, that might be it. The chalk is good for one thing. The cheese is good for the other thing. I guess. I guess. Because if you write on a blackboard with cheese, or you try to have a chalk sandwich, that's oh, going to be terrible. <laughs> so hopefully, he has a bit of a chalk sandwich side of a game, and um, and, and we and, we, uh, and maybe a bit of a cheese blackboard, a cheese sort blackboard of a sort of a game, and then hopefully we can, uh, yeah, we can we can make some. Um, Make some gains on him. Yeah, um, no, look, I think Penrith have uh, kind of... They'll be coming out of that game with momentum. They'll want to ambush the Knights, which is weird saying you're going to ambush the bottom place team, but their form hasn't been great up look, until that second half. There are only three wins this season, and we're like, we're we're only just behind them. So quite possibly, we, if the Tigers lose and we beat Penrith, we could possibly jump them and get off I the I believe bottom. their for and against is way superior to it. Uh, well, yeah. It, well, it'd be... If we were on equal points and there was suddenly an equal points board shared... Yeah, like, it's I just mean, I'll take equal last as opposed to just dead last. last. Yeah. So, um, we, look, we've already beaten last season's record and it's only taken us less than half the season to do so. So, the sky's the limit or at least the semi off the bottom is also the limit probably for us, but... The roof. The, roof's the, the roof lim- of the house is the limit. limit. <laughs> the sky's a bit high. If you can get to the ceiling of the house, you're good. Uh, so we're, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back for the pointy end. Uh, we'll discuss all the big Newcastle Knights news as well as uh, answer some questions from Liam Mails, Liam's mail sack. But uh, we also might go over some, uh, some origin bolters from the last week's round. Uh, we'll be right back. Yeah, so we... Welcome back to the Jest. Uh, we were going to cover uh, Liam's mail sack uh, and also the pointy end, but this uh, this week the pointy end is also Liam's mail sack. Uh, so it's Liam's pointy sack. Liam, uh, you have a question there from Joe Frost? I do. Look, Joe has kind of combined what we're going to talk about in the pointy end and the sack anyway. Mm-hmm. So Frosty poses to us, given this is like 97 all over again, will Dane Gagai stick around rather than sign with South, given the emotion of the occasion? I assume Joe is... Uh, Calls talking about our second win of the season, uh, or does Brownie want him gone? Given he's Darius Boyd, well Darius Boys, he's written here 2.0, and uh, in brackets kills it for Queensland, mainly picks up a paycheck from the Knights. End quote. Yeah, look, as as it's been widely reported, it looks like Dane Gagai is going to be not going to be playing for the Knights next season. Uh, he's off to the Rabbits on quite a lucrative, uh, I believe, seven hundred thousand dollar a year, three year contract. Um. Liam, what's your thoughts? Look, I think if this had come at the end of last season, we'd be heading for the hills. It'd be, you know, it's all over. This is a death knell, this final nail in the coffin. However, I think with the work Brownie's doing, 
we're starting to build up a you know good kind of younger base of players and we're more able to cover him now i mean obviously he's he's been one of our best this year but i think at, by the end of this season we'll be in a position where we are able to more readily cover the impact that he has off on the field yeah so i think given the next however many months there are of the season by then i think we'll be ready to cover dane gagai especially with um all the moves we're making in the player market and what have you. Well, none moves at the moment. Uh, none moves, <laughs> yes. Um, not one single move. move yeah. But uh, we will. Patience. I'm, t- I'm told that we will. We'll be. We're, we're sitting very patient. We're sitting patiently. We'll pick Letting, up the scraps. Yeah, <laughs> the scraps we'll get will the crumbs. We'll be a team of scraps. Yes. Um, but look, I, th- I look. Your opinion on Dango? Just, just leaving. Do you think this is? Obviously, it's upset a lot of people. What are your thoughts? You think that uh, it? Would you? What would you do in his shoes? Look, in his shoes, I mean, it is the nature of professional sports. What you've got to remember is that it is a professional game, whether we like it or not these days. Um, and honestly, in his shoes, if someone was throwing me that much money to go to a club with a bit more of a chance of success, if I were a professional sportsman, I couldn't really see myself not taking it. Look, for him, he's 27 this year um, and he's an outside back. So... Um this three-year contract that he's signing is going to be his contract, this like, career-defining contract. Um, so to stay with Newcastle, uh, he is he's a, he's a centre by his best position. He has played fullback, but I think uh, it's widely like agreed that fullback is not his best position, but it's centre. And uh, for a team like Newcastle, despite us having a lot of money uh, to spend on players at the moment, are we willing to spend um, seven hundred thousand dollars plus? On a center, heavens like, no. Well, that's the thing. Like it's for him. Like firstly, just coming straight out of the blocks, I I gotta think Dango guy has stayed with us through some horrific seasons, and he's an immensely talented player. Uh, and he chose to stay with us despite offers from other clubs to jump ship when there were a lot of other players were jumping. And I think he should be like remembered for that. That he. He stuck by this team. Uh, look, he's not a Newcastle boy. He came from Queensland. Uh, found his way back into first grade through Newcastle. Has seen a change of coaches since then. And by um, by, from what I receive, he, he gets very close to Nathan Brown. He doesn't does wouldn't want to leave Nathan Brown uh, as far as to to look for a better coach. This is to further his career and also to ensure that at the end of these. Uh, uh, the three years uh, that he could probably get another contract in the end. The, the career, like lifespan of an NRL player, is very short. Um, despite all this money gets thrown around, this is the time for him as a uh, for his career to earn. And um, at the at the end of that, it's it's the unknown. So look, I don't blame him at all for for, for going after a large contract elsewhere because I don't believe that Newcastle is in a position, despite having all this money, that we can afford to pay him. Look, he's already on a very, very um, generous contract, I think, for, for a centre. And look, I think... But you can understand why these other offers are, are so lucrative to him. You know, these, that are... that are you know, I don't know. Look, I'm very disappointed. This is going to be me. I'm very disappointed that he's leaving because I think he's an integral part of that side and I would really love him to stay. But obviously, look, he's, he's chosen to go. Um, and for that, look, I don't think we should hold that against him because I think when it comes down to it, uh, whether it be just in your own profession, if you if if another company tries to spruik you and say, "Look, I'm going to give you a raise. Come over here, and you're going to be part of a better team," um, in you know, despite what the industry is, uh, I think deep down you'd take it. Speaking of which, if the brewers at Tui's New are looking for a <laughs> new brewer, <laughs> I will take the job. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you on that one, Nagy. You can't hold it against him. It's the nature of professional sports. He's looking after himself, trying to make a move that will benefit his career. And, you know, it's he just stayed what with, happens. He stayed with us through, through his... real shitters. And through his best part of his career. Yeah. Like, the, arguably, yeah, this is, you know, when when from the years of about 23 to, to 27, that's the that should be when you're at your best. And look, it's not like... Look, it is completely about money, but I think for him... If he wants to further his career, if he thinks he's not getting any better here at Newcastle, you're not seeing the best of him. He has his his own sort of legacy to think of. Like, and look, he didn't start his career here. Um, and and like to give to give us the middle period during the most one of the most like the least successful team in as in the NRL history since you know the '98 conception. Um, is I can understand looking for other options. And However, on to that though, do you think it is the right career move for Gagai? Because he clearly he's a player who wants to play fullback. It's uh, it's his preferred position. Now he's going back to a team who next year will have Greg Inglis coming back. Obviously their preferred fullback, but they've also now got Cody Walker playing a fair bit of fullback and playing very well. Well, then you got Alex Johnson there as well, and then you've got Alex Johnson there as well. I mean, you've already got three very classy fullbacks. If Gagai is going to the Rabbitohs to play fullback. Is he making the right decision? This, and will he justify that price tag for the Rabbitohs? This might be a career move for him because despite him going there on a lot of money, this might be a, a time for him where he believes that he needs the challenge to keep improving his way into a first-grade side. Um, th- this is just obviously what I think. This is not what he's what he's told me. Our discussions are mostly about the weather. When, uh, but it's very astute meteorologist. He loves it. He's just he loves he's it, constantly yeah. gazing into the sky. Um, look, but he loves this town. He doesn't like. He doesn't want to leave it. But he's leaving it for for a career move, and I don't think anyone can blame him for that. Look, it is going to cost us bums on seats. It is uh, something that we would have liked to avoid. Um, but in the end, is being very from an objective point of view, does he win us games? Has there been a time where a Dango guy move has, has, has got us over the line? Well, clearly not. I think the amount of games won last year shows that uh, he doesn't win us games, as did no one in that Newcastle team except well, for that one particular so game. You can argue that um, because we've lost him, we've gone from not winning games to possibly not winning games. So he was only going to complement a better side anyway in the way that he was going to serve us better. So I don't necessarily think that giving him more money to keep playing at the position that he is uh, at centre, because like, the fullback is not his best position. Even in the win against Canberra, look, he didn't have a remarkable game. So, look, I, I think that look, if he's chosen to move on, and look, good luck to him. I think he, he gave us a great uh, stint of service, and I don't think um, we should, you know, turn our backs on him or anything. And I really hope that... Um, the Newcastle supporters can really just see that that the time that he stuck with us was tough and that now that he's choosing to leave, uh, shouldn't be held against him. Next question we have is from uh, Liam Jones. Liam Jones asks, would you agree that pregnancies in the Hunter area are going to skyrocket in the coming weeks based on Sunday's result? In nine months' time, the John Hunter Hospital Maternity Ward will be under the pump, one would imagine. Naggy, did you get a little slice on Sunday? <laughs> It's going to be a um, look. It was, it was definitely an exciting time for Newcastle. There's lots of energy, and uh, by God, I feel more fertile. Um, and I think the whole town does. I think it was a study done in 2002 that showed that um, Newcastle, as its own economy, produces better when the Knights are winning. Um, but that just shows how much this, this the team means for the town. Um, so it, it's so much true that um, maybe not 
on individual sexual performances. Uh, thanks, Liam. But uh, but but um, but if it's yeah, look, it's going to be so. It's definitely uh, look. It definitely helped a lot of people. Let's just say that. <laughs> look, I'm going to go against the grain here. Oh, hello. I don't yeah. think there will because uh, look. As, you know, the game obviously got me quite aroused and so much so that I actually, uh, I'll put this politely, finished the job uh, concurrently with the full-time siren. <laughs> so by the time I got home, I was drained. I had nothing left to give. So, you know, if other Knights fans are like me, they would have gone home just just empty. Empty, yeah. Bereft of sack juice. <laughs> so, uh, Jonesy, we're in uh, mixed minds on that one. Uh, now, we've got one more question here. Now, this one... Uh, Naggy, look, this is, uh, I've done some research into the questioner, the person, sorry, who's asked us this question. It's a uh, K W Wilson, K W Wilson, K Willie Wilson. Do you know this person? Look, Nagy? I have met him once or twice. Um, because the question he sent us, look, it's a, a bit, oh, I don't know how to say it. It's a, it's uh, actually a very good question. Kay William <laughs> Wilson, hello idiots. As you are aware, I'm a bit of a bandwagon man when it comes to Nathan Brown often throwing about the hashtag sack Nathan Brown. My question is, another wooden spoon this year, which means theoretically no improvement from the horrors of last year. Is his job in jeopardy next year? Will he be the first coach sacked for 2018? Look, I think it would be stupid to think that, uh, that the Knights would turn the back on all the work that Nathan Brown's done. If you look at it well, from from an outside perspective, you think there's no results um, improving. Um, but I think you you would be silly to say that the the, the performances last year and the performances this year, uh, and you saw no new improvement with with really no new players. And like the likes of Bureau, Cost Jason, um, uh, the the sort of marquee signings, Ken Seo has been the only one that uh, that continue, continues to play for us. The rest of it is just seeing the the players last year improve. Um, and I think uh, the likes of Danny Levi, Mitch Barnett, that we've spoken about before, Brendan Elliott, these players uh, that played last year and didn't cut the mustard uh, are now showing signs of being regular first-grade players. Oh, look, the mustard's just been ravaged this year. <laughs> yeah. Compared to last year, the mustard was untouched. But this year, it's you know, it looks like Jack the Ripper's had a go at the mustard. <laughs> we've cut it every which way. Every which way. <laughs> but um, look, look, I think it'd be silly to, even, to think that if you brought in a new coach now, they, look, you might receive... Uh, more uh, as far as recruitment is, it's been very quiet. But I think a lot of people are focusing on recruitment for 2018, and we're not even halfway through this season. This is not a typical time where you see a lot of recruitment to to move forward, but we're expecting it because every player that comes off contract is now linked with the Knights. Anything, any time there's a marquee player, it's like, well, the Knights have money. Maybe the Knights are going to talk to them, and whether the Knights talk to them or not does not mean that we're going to sign them. And so the, I don't think the times that we've received disappointment, like we went after Jack Bird and we didn't get him. Uh, and Matt Scott, uh, we would have got him, but he blew his knee out. So we didn't get him. Uh, look, now James Graham is another example of it would be a great signing to, to get, but James Graham has never come out and said that he's talking to the Knights. So if we if the Bulldogs um, re-sign James Graham or he takes up his option with the Bulldogs, it's not a failure by the Knights. That's just that's just the 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 Bulldogs keeping a player that they already have signed. I think these is mainly media um, creating stories out of nothing to make it seem like the Knights are, are failing in their recruitment. But really, it's just that we, to get players that we haven't gone after, like, like you know, there, there might have been some unfortunate things with Sean Kenny Dowd that was actually spoken about. Apparently, the contract was on the table. Uh, and then, you know... It wasn't the only thing on the table, so, though. <laughs> and then, uh, look, and then he, through, through his own behaviour... 
uh, we didn't sign him. I think this is, should be seen, seen as a success story of that we didn't sign him and bring him to the club rather than a failure that it's just another signature. Look, it doesn't. I don't like how we would have spent time on picking him and trying to recruit him. But look, again, this is very early stages in the season. And look, we, sh- we showed against the Canberra that we can do it with the players that we have. Um, so there's still a, there's a lot of growth and a lot of ability in that team. And I think as well, it goes back to the gag, gag eye point. I mean, coaching also is a professional game. It's a results-driven game. So as a coach, you've got the sword of Damocles hanging over your head at all times. And I think the Newcastle board have been good with Nathan Brown. They've said, look, it's going to be a couple of tough years. There might be some spoons coming out of it. However, we think you've got a good plan. We're going to let you stick by it. No rumours so far have come out about Brown being sacked. So clearly, you know, there's some belief in what he's doing. Um, and like you said, it, it it's hard to see in a results-driven game most NRL clubs seem pretty happy going for the short-term results, the short-term fix. I think the club has full faith in what Nathan Brown is doing, realizing it is going to be a long-term project. If you look at like the way that other NRL teams seem to be so reactionary with um, their, their coaches, like uh, the Jason Taylor sacking after three rounds, um, and then Ivan Cleary coming in and not doing anything. And it, well, he's got two wins uh, to his name. Uh, but like, can you see that that team being a finals threat? Probably not. So the coach doesn't really make any difference with the player roster that you have. Des Hasler being re-signed um, after that one win and then the, the performance they gave against... Um, the team that they played. Oh, was it the South? South Sydney? No, the no, South. Was it, was it South Sydney? No, they didn't play South Sydney. It was one of the other... Other NRL sides. NRL teams, yes. I can confirm that. On the weekend. Yes. <laughs> they lost to them. And they they, looked, they, they showed that they, they weren't improving at all, but De- that Des has been re-signed for two seasons. It's It seems like if you if you, if you you get on like a five-game um, winning streak, you know, you're held on this mantle and you're guaranteed another two years in your contract. But if you lose lose a few, they're calling for your head. Like I don't see why the coaches should be um, responsible for the the players or the culture or all these no- things that get thrown around these days. Nathan Brown's never mentioned really anything about. Um, he was very blunt when he came in and said, "Look, the roster that we have is is probably the worst uh, of the NRL at the moment." And he also said that uh, the players' fitness were, when he took over was at, at the lowest he, NRL standard that he's ever seen. Um, and he mentioned last year this is like the recession that we needed to have. And I think, um, despite it being more painful for the, for the close losses that we've had, it's it's definitely like by th- competing for forty minutes, especially leading um, at halftime six out of our ten games, uh, it's got to be got to be a sign that that there are good things brewing. I like what you said in the first sentence, Nag. You said too many clubs are happy to be reactive with their coaches. I think again, it it shows that the club has been very has allowed Nathan Brown to be very proactive. If you react, if you're a reactive club and you just react to what happens, you might buy a few extra wins in the next season. But where does that get you three years down the track, four years down the track? I think what they're allowing Nathan Brown to do is be very proactive. Like he said when he got here, it's going to be a hard couple of years, guys. He didn't say it's going to be a hard couple of weeks. He said it's going to be a hard couple of years, but I've got a plan. Let me work with it. Yeah. And I think that shows a lot. It, it, it really place to the strengths of the Knights board that they're allowing him to do so. Look, in the next 10 weeks, we're going to see players sign with Newcastle Knights. Um, and in that time, we can start building uh, a picture of the future and we can start filling the holes where we've struggled in this season. And look, I think if anything, we've shown that we're not going to sign a marquee player. That seems to be... <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> that, that seems to be <laughs> That seems to be like the answer for all because we're not... Let's say if we signed a Kieran Foran or a Cooper Cronk and they get injured for six weeks, suddenly we're back where we are now, but we spent heaps more money. I think um, 
look, this is going to be a long road ahead of us, but I think we're going to build and uh, we'll, we'll see some good footy out of this side. Um, do, I think we better... Uh, do we have time for Origin? We can might move for next week. While we're talking about we'll Origin... Origin for next week. Yes, but while we're talking about Origin, Nagy, what were you about to say? Well, Origin 1, uh, if you've got any plans for Origin 1, cancel them because you're coming to Central Bar for the Joust Hosts... Origin 1 at Central Bar on King Street. Uh, Liam, you got any more information there? I do, Nagy. Basically, it's going to be us taking over Central, getting very pissed. There'll be $7.50 pints of VB. We'll have a bit of grub on. There's a few giveaways. Uh, complete audio-visual presentation from the Joust. Uh, basically, let's all just get together, watch Origin, and get pissed. God knows you all want to watch Origin with me, don't you? With two Origin enthusiasts. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> and unbridled enthusiasm. Also... May have a couple of Knights Legends on board. I thought for the you were going to say something else, and I was very worried. But yes, look, we might have a couple of Knights Legends. We're talking to a few we people. We might not, so don't get your hopes up. But it might just be two Joust Legends, uh, <laughs> that um, which will just be equally as good. But look, if you want to come to watch Origin with with in a place with full of atmosphere, lots of beer, and a couple of idiots up on stage with microphones, please come along to the Central Bar uh, Origin Takeover. Uh, with the Jazz boys. Um, so that's in Origin 1 and May 31st. I believe it's also the night before your birthday, Liam. Tis. Which you'll be turning 28. Eight. Good, yes. Good Lord. I know, um, I've aged horribly. I've aged horribly. But now we um, jump straight on to uh, the blast from the past uh, and uh, where we look at a player of the Knights of the Old uh, that um, we, we might not have seen much of in the recent days. Liam, uh, who's our blast from the past this week? Our blast from the past this week, Nagy, is an interesting one. He's uh, Rod Shoesmith. Rob Shoesmith. Rod Shoesmith. Yeah, look, he played uh, four games for the Knights back in 1991, scored one try in that four games, so... You know, not a bad strike record, but was very well known for having the most immaculate boots in the competition. Um, oh, they were phenomenal. They were actually handmade. Uh, Roddy, little uh, shoesmithy, yeah. made his own <laughs> boots. And, uh, you know, he played a uh, very short career for the Knights. I believe he played for the Canterbury Bulldogs before that. But um, We won't hold that against him. We shan't. We should, but we shan't. And uh, But he actually retired to take up a successful career as a cobbler. As a cobbler? He was a cobbler. He makes a hell of a wingtip brogue. <laughs> really, really nice. He's, uh, you know, still coming to terms with the Oxford, but yeah, no, he knows his way around a, a shoe. Very, very, very good cobbler. I think he might do his own shoe and bag repair outside of uh, just Mayfield East there. Just he his does, yes, shop. yes. He doesn't have a shop front. Doesn't have a shop, no. It's more yeah. of an online sort of a thing. It's actually just out of a briefcase there on Maitland Road. He's a <laughs> bit of a boot sale. He's tucked up on one of the will. bus stops there. <laughs> Car boot sale, Yes. <laughs> Shoesmith with the boot sale. He's a shoesmith. He's a shoesmith. Uh, I do love a blast in the past. Thank you, Liam, for looking up on these nights of old. Um, yeah, please, if you like uh, the podcast, please like us on Facebook and uh, listen out for us on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. Uh, all the yeah, but please also <laughs> message us on the uh, on the Facebook page for Liam's mail sack. And uh, get excited for Origin 1 at uh, Central Bar. It's going to be a hell of a night. Uh, and if you're available on Sunday, obviously the boys are playing at home against the Panthers. Uh, unfortunately, Nagy will be at work. Uh, but yes, uh, will be. hopefully a couple of our other jousters will be out on the piss. So let's get out and support the boys and try and make it two in a row for the first time since... Uh, I don't know, 1988. See if also you can, uh, Liam will tell you whereabouts he is sitting and see if you can meet up with him. We'll get some photos for the uh, on the GS page as well. Uh, but also make sure you buy a beanie. This is uh, um, 
the Mark Hughes Foundation's um, uh, been around for uh, brain cancer, brain cancer killing, um, being the biggest uh, killer of people under the age of 40. Um, I don't know how you feel about brain cancer naggy but i'm i'm very against it against it i'm there also against it but it's a great nights initiative that's really um being supported by the nrl so please buy a beanie for uh being oh, i forgot the name of it i think you thought we could plug it but <laughs> beanie round beanie round buy a beanie for beanie round for mark hughes boozy hughesy one of our own thanks very much for listening this week guys uh it's another jest out that is a rap music <laughs>